This is episode 287 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of To Birth and Beyond. I'm Jesse Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Two Birth and Beyond. It's Jesse Mundell. And Anita Lambert. And today we are going to be going over a topic around running and pelvic floor symptoms. We've done other episodes about returning to running postpartum, and we thought we would come back to it and talk about kind of one specific aspect of it. And it's really around, is your pelvic floor the main reason for leaking when you're running? Because this is an assumption that so many are told, and I totally understand why you would think this way, right? Or why professionals might tell you, you have a weak, if this is going on, you got a weak pelvic floor, go deal with your pelvic floor. And how Jess and I look at running at any time in life is it is a full body activity. And what I find often with clients is, yes, they may be having pelvic floor symptoms, but it's almost as if the pelvic floor is the victim of what's going on and it just can't hold up. It can't do its job. So it's the one being symptomatic because you're leaking pee, but there's actually so many other parts of the puzzle that are actually causing the pelvic floor to, to do that. And it's not necessarily the pelvic floor. I've had so many clients where they come in, we assess their pelvic floor. I'm not like, you technically have a very strong pelvic floor lying down and standing will assess as well, um, especially for runners. And so I know, and it gives them confidence of being like, okay, so it's not my pelvic floor. Um, but we've already, even before that point have gone over all the other things I'm looking at so many aspects. We're going to kind of go through some of the main ones today. And it'd be great to hear just kind of how you look at it with your coaching clients, because when we tackle these other aspects, that's when I find the leaking, we'll specifically talk about leaking pee today, but I mean, this could be prolapse symptoms. This could be pain. Um, just so if you're dealing with this and maybe you've addressed the pelvic floor and you're still leaking, what you could then further look into or see a professional um, about it. So what do you find just like, do you get coaching clients that have had this situation where they're leaking, they've addressed their pelvic floor, but they're still leaking? Yeah, absolutely. And it really just highlights why Kegels are not going to be this, you know, magic fix for something like incontinence or leaking with running. Mm -hmm. As you said, if someone is showing, you know, strong coordination and good strength of the pelvic floor, then just doing more and more pelvic floor muscle contractions probably isn't going to be our ticket. And also Mm -hmm. what I think this highlights too, and this is so important for 
folks postpartum or if it's just been a long time since you have done running or sprinting or high impact, it's just, it also is a skill to be trained. Like that's Mm -hmm. it. It is not that you are necessarily out of shape, that you can't run. You're bad at running. It's just a skill to be trained and takes time and reps to feel comfy and to allow your pelvic floor to kind of get on board with the system too. Mm-hmm, exactly. And, and we have talked before about postpartum, cause I find that's one of the, the common times where people want to get back to running and then they're like, Oh, I have, you know, symptoms going on with it. But I always say like, this could be if you've never had kids or you want to have kids and you haven't had them at that point, like this can really happen whenever. Um, and so one of the things that I wanted to start with is even before I check someone's pelvic floor, we're looking at that whole inner core canister and at their breathing, uh, habits and, um, kind of how effectively that they're breathing. And if we can change that, that can actually be a big piece with the pelvic floor and running. So we've talked about a bit before kind of how Jess and I look at the core and we think of it as like a canister. So that if you picture that kind of within your abdomen, the bottom of your canister is your pelvic floor. The top is your diaphragm or your deep breathing muscle. And then the center is your abdominal wall. There's various layers to it. Um, but that's kind of the top bottom and center of your core canister. And so what can happen sometimes, so habits like holding our breath when we run means that kind of the ebb and flow within that canister may not be happening the way we need to when we run. So every time your foot hits the ground, there are forces that go up and your pelvic floor has to absorb some of those along with other aspects of your body. And so sometimes when we're holding our breath, that kind of natural ebb and flow of the pelvic floor isn't necessarily happening um, or there might be more pressure because you're holding your breath. And so that in itself can actually contribute to us leaking. Um, Or another aspect of that canister is the bottom. So super common if you're leaking with running, most people are like, I'm just going to clench the heck out of my pelvic floor and that it's going to stop me from leaking. But what people find is they're like, actually, I'm leaking even more now. I don't understand. Like I thought I was engaging those muscles. And that's because when we run or cough or sneeze or land from a jump, our pelvic floor needs to yield. We need an ebb and flow. And so that's why I often talk about the pelvic floor. We need it to be flexible. It's not just about activating it because it's true. If you clench your pelvic floor all day or your entire run, it's likely not going to help your leaking. So kind of that idea, the bottom of the canister, we need it to be flexible and ebb and flow. And that top of the canister with your breath, we need that to ebb and flow. And they actually work together to help with that pressure within our abdomen. Uh, What do you find just with your, when you go through with your clients, do you find those are two issues as well as the breath holding and the clenching? It definitely is. And it makes so much sense psychologically that people will go to the breath holding and the clenching Mm -hmm. because they are scared to leak. And so Mm -hmm. it just, again, like you were saying, Mm -hmm. logically makes sense. Well, just hold it tight and that will keep everything up and in and dry. And yeah, it just, as you're explaining, Mm -hmm. is not the case and can make things worse. And the Mm -hmm. other thing I was thinking about clients and this is really good timing because 
in our two pregnancy and beyond program right now, this week, Mm -hmm. we have started our return to run prep program Mm -hmm. because in a month we are then actually going to start running and sprinting, but we take this whole month lead up to focus on strength training and coordinating breath with impact and all this stuff. Again, training the skills in order to be able to get back to the running But Mm -hmm. it's so interesting because some people who experience incontinence in their regular day-to-day life will then go into the run prep, go into the high impact and the sprinting and not be leaking or not having incontinence there, but are having it in the rest of their life. Some Mm -hmm. people who are not having incontinence in their daily life then go into the running and experience incontinence there. So it's Mm -hmm. just, it's all just such a puzzle piece on how this is fitting for people inside their bodies and their brains too. Yes, exactly. And it just goes to show you like so many parts of our life, different activities require different different strategies. And so someone might be using a strategy that is contributing to their leaking in one aspect and then, but they're not doing it when they run, for example, like you said, if they're not leaking there. Um, and another part to kind of go with that core canister, how I talked about like clenching the bottom, or not breathe or um, holding your breath. So affecting the top, but the center of the abdomen, Jess and I hear about all the time too, is the clench or tighten my core the entire run. Right. And I think I see it a lot of the times in the fitness world, but also in the physio world is like tighten your core for like the entire thing or the entire class or the, you know, even with like cycling classes. And I'm like, you don't need to tighten your core when you're doing your cycling class, like let it go breathe, but you don't need to be like thinking of tightening your core, this whole cycling class. So that always is one of my, my pet peeves when I hear that. And I'll just like plug my ears. Um, but it's (laughs) the same with running. Yeah. I'm like, you don't need to do that. Um, but it's the same thing with running and it's just, it's because a lot of times that's what people have been told over the years. But again, if you think of your abdomen like a balloon, if you're constantly squeezing the center, that pressure has to go somewhere. And so oftentimes it can either, so if you could think if it goes up into kind of more of the diaphragm, makes it harder to get that nice rib breath or onto the pelvic floor and pelvic organs, which then make contribute to um, symptoms in that respect. So breathing, you'll find Jess and I talk, when we talk about running, I will never tell you to engage your pelvic floor your entire run. At that point, when you're running, the expectation is that your pelvic floor is being automated, that it will engage when it needs to. Um, And, but that's where the breath is so important. If we can get you focusing on your breath, because we know it's has that connection to the pelvic floor, they work as a team. If we focus on your breath, that's much more effective to have you not leaking with running than focusing on clenching your pelvic floor or even quickly engaging your pelvic floor. It's just not possible with, with your cadence when you run. Um, so that's one big part. So those three pieces of your core canister, we want to look at each piece. And then oftentimes it's just about letting them go. And then with your breath, getting you to actually breathe when you're running. So that's kind of one aspect. Now to go along with that is even positioning. I don't love to say posture while you're running because everyone thinks shoulders back, chest up. And that's actually not what Jess and I <laughs> suggest at all. So we, we, we've talked about a lot on the podcast about bringing the ribs 
forward over the pelvis. So this idea of like a ski jump posture, or it's this kind of slight lean forward, you're going to feel like you're way bent forward. You're actually not if you look in a mirror. Um, but in that slight lean and you take some breaths, you'll naturally get the breath more into your rib cage, which is actually really helpful. So what I'll often do for positioning is teaching that first and some of the other exercises we'll go over, we'll use that kind of ski jump positioning. But when I get someone back to running, I have them do hill intervals. And if you picture doing a hill, you naturally, as you go up the hill, you have to bring your ribs forward. You just, you can't lean back. It's impossible. You will fall back. So you naturally will go into that ribs over pelvis posture. Um, and they kind of run up and then walk down, run up, walk down. There's kind of intervals we can do, but that positioning I find is super effective. And some people are so surprised. They're like, they start back and doing that. And they're like, I'm not, how am I suddenly not leaking? And it's because they've realized for so long, they've been running, especially if they're used to running flat or a lot of downhill, they're running with their rib cage behind their pelvis. So it's just changing what's going on in the intradominal pressure and then affecting what the pelvic floor needs to do in response to that. So that's another aspect of even just your positioning, being more forward when you run. And especially postpartum, if you in pregnancy were really used to leaning back as your belly and your chest were growing, and then baby comes out and we often stay in that posture. So then you get back to running in that posture. So it's all about creating these habits. And as Jess said, it's key to have a build up to running. That's why it's like working on strength and balance and mobility and coordination, then get to running. You will feel so much better than jumping into it without doing, uh, without having done the prep. Yeah. Running is really something that we might not have thought about in this way that we need to train for it. It's almost that, especially at this time of year, spring, summer, everyone wants yeah. to get out and to get running right away. And it totally yeah. makes sense. But taking that lead up time to build a foundation and build the skills, super important. Mm -hmm. It also is reminding me that I've had so many clients throughout the years who the only time they were leaking during running was downhill running. And if mm -hmm. you can just imagine what you're doing in your body as you're trying to run downhill is almost this lean back, awkward step thing. Mm -hmm. And if you think about that, body positioning where the rib cage is in relation to the pelvis that could be contributing to that leaking on the downhill as well too yeah, yeah. and with that too for people to know it's not like you'll never be able to run downhill it's more about understanding and training your body with the uphill and then eventually flat and then you can totally get to downhill but it's like doing it in steps and then understanding now kind of what that pressure system um, how it can affect essentially what the pelvic floor has to do. Um, another cue I find helpful is kind of looking forward like 10 or 20 feet down and away from you. Cause again, often with running, we're looking up at the horizon. And when we do that, we're often leaning back. If you have someone video you, it's actually a great idea. If you're listening to this and you do have any symptoms when you run, have someone video you like just on your phone from the front, the side and the back for even like 30 seconds. And you may then start seeing some of the things Jess and I are talking about. I find it's one of the best ways for clients to see themselves. And then it makes it that it makes sense to them what's going on and then how to change it. Um, another part too, that often gets missed. And I find this is so common postpartum because again, after pregnancy, 
Um, if you've had, you know, tension in the rib cage, you know, mid back ends up being tense, especially postpartum, you're leaning forward, you're holding the baby, feeding the baby. Um, when, when you get back to running, oftentimes we lose, or we potentially never had torso rotation, which is such a big part of the sh a shock absorption system when we run. And what I notice when I, when I watch people run, if they're not rotating their torso, there's a lot of rotation going down uh, in terms of the pelvis and around the hips. There's a lot of extra movement going on that doesn't need to happen, but it's likely happening because up top is so rigid. And actually I had a client in this week and we were talking through this. She's like, oh my gosh. She's like, I thought I was supposed to keep my upper body so still. But she's like, this makes way more sense. So we're getting her, getting her back in those steps. Um, so I love um, one of the cues I know you had brought up, Jess, and I know it was from someone else that you had shared about. But this idea of if you think of a flashlight coming out from your sternum, or if um, you picture kind of the front of your body um, at the bottom or kind of around your rib cage, right in the front and center, picture a flashlight coming out. And if you're standing in the middle of a clock, you're picture, picturing it going from one to 11, one to 11. And I love that because that cue makes someone think of the rotation coming from their center, from their torso, because it's super easy to cheat and do arm swing. And you think you're rotating your torso, but if someone were to video you, you're just getting this wild arm swing going and there's nothing happening with your torso. So I loved when you brought up, I don't even remember when, you'd brought that up, but I like love using that because if you tell someone just to rotate their torso, it will happen for two strides and then they'll be back to being stiff again. So that one I find is great. And then also exercises, right. That help with that movement, because all as a physio, I'll assess their um, thoracic, their lumbar, their cervical rotation. And I'll notice if naturally one side is restricted versus the other. And we can work on that. And one way to work on that is exercise. So things like thread the needle, one of my favorite arm openings where you're on your uh, lying down on your side and rotating open. Um, so you just want to think about too, these are, we're talking about different strategies, but then there also can be exercises to train for those strategies, especially if there is a restriction happening. Yeah, that 11 to one cue was from Robin Kerr. Mm. And that can be applied to your walking as well, which should be included in your return to running plan doing some walking in the midst of your bouts of running. And uh, yeah, what is so interesting, and I noticed this in myself, thinking about that 11 to one cue, realizing that I was really just rotating my shoulders, like only in the very upper body doing that 11 to one, and then trying to drop that rotation down into mm -hmm. like the lower part of my rib cage more and just feeling so much more comfortable in my stride and mm -hmm. completely eliminating the low back and SI joint pain that I was experiencing while running. Mm -hmm. So that filming yourself super key. Also just really trying to sense where you are feeling these sensations in your body. Just mm -hmm. a really good practice. Yeah. Yeah. And then another part two is balance. And this, I find particularly postpartum, a lot of people are very surprised. They're like, they go to do a lunge and they're like, what is going on? Like, why do I feel like I need to hold 
the table or the wall when I do a lunge initially postpartum. And it's because if you think about in pregnancy, again, your center of gravity, things are shifting as belly is growing, chest is growing, and then suddenly baby comes out and the the abdomen does take a while to adjust for various reasons in your uterus and all, all those things, but your center will change after it kind of where your center is. So your body is trying to figure that out. So retraining things like lunges, um, single leg work, single leg hops, single leg jumps, single leg squats, really key part in how I got my clients um, back to running. Because if you think about it, if you're feeling wobbly on a lunge, essentially every time you land, when you run, your body needs to be so solid and supported when you land, like you don't have time to think of that. So if during a conscious lunge, you're having balance issues, it's probably happening when you're landing, when you're running. And then again, those compensations of the forces going up. And then sometimes it's like our pelvic floor ends up being the victim of it's, we actually need to work on balance and what's going on in the lower half. And then the pelvic floor can do its job better. Yeah. And it's exactly why we take this long lead up in our return to run program for our clients mm -hmm. too. a solid month of practicing these skills and feeling really sturdy and stable in the body before getting into the high impact can just be a much more comfortable experience when you do start doing the running, the high impact, and just can be much more effective on the body as a whole for injury prevention, symptoms, and pain prevention. So mm -hmm. give yourself some time if you're able mm -hmm. to give yourself some time. Yeah, exactly. And especially postpartum, because I'd say postpartum, it's even more than four weeks, right? It's that usually at the earliest I'd have clients running would be around three months. And some people are like, oh, I thought it was six weeks. But if you think about all these things, and then even the next point we're going to talk about, the body is just not ready at six weeks to be running. Even if you had the most straightforward birth and no tearing, it's one of those things where just looking at how the body heals and again, strength and balance and mobility, we need to build that back. So that does take a, a bit more time um, early postpartum. But I was going to say as well with that is after an injury. Right. In terms of, I will often also see a lot of my pregnant clients. They've had past knee injuries, ankle, even one of mine today. She was like, she had a avulsion fracture and now she's pregnant. And so we want to make sure that we're rehabbing that or getting that back to its full, full ability while she's pregnant. But then also that's going to help postpartum. So sometimes if you're not seeing someone till postpartum, then we're also looking at other potentially past injuries that never fully rehabbed. Um, and balance is a huge part of that. Now, also in terms of, uh, we talked about balance in terms of the lower body mechanics, right? So looking, we'll often, when we're doing like a return to running screen, we're looking at how someone is landing from a jump on two feet on one foot. And I'm looking like what, um, don't like using the term alignment, but I know people will kind of more picture what I'm talking about, but we're, you know, looking at how are the hips and the knee and the foot and the arch, how are things when someone lands? Because if there's compensations going on there, or especially one side versus the other, that's likely happening when someone is running. And again, that can lead to the pelvic floor being the victim of what's going on. Whereas when we, uh, when we work on lower body strength, especially single leg strength, variations of lunges and single leg bridges and um, single leg squats, 
those are all going to help someone be able to return to running. And then we know their body is going to be landing on a much more kind of solid landing versus a lot of compensations and feeling off balance because again, the force is going up and then the pelvic floor is the victim of that. So there's a lot of strengthening that we'll do with clients. Um, but then also the mobility work, especially that torso rotation that we talked about, but lower body mechanics, also even like foot and arch exercises. I have clients being like, I never thought I've never worked on this before, but when they're landing from a jump, shouldn't be able to hear them land from a jump, especially when they're in bare feet. And if their whole foot is landing as one structure, we've got so many little joints and muscles that if that's happening when they're doing their jumps, just lunges or single leg squats, um, single leg kind of jump squats, when then they go to run, that's probably how they're landing. And again, if we can get them to articulate through their feet much better, then that's also going to help with landing and the forces going through and their pelvic floor. So I love this stuff. I think it's so interesting and to see people return to running and feel better returning to running postpartum or post um, experiencing pelvic floor symptoms. I think that's really cool. And I just think too often just the pelvic floor is being honed in on and it's so much more than that. So I don't know. What do you find Jess? Yeah, we talk about this so much, but we just absolutely love to see people get back to the activities that they love to do or want to Mm -hmm. do or their goals are to do them. And so it's possible and there's so much hope. And even if you are leaking with running right now, again, just know that there's lots of things that we can do to make it a reality for you to run comfortably and leak free. And it's probably simpler than you might think. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 